Welcome to Growing in the Gospel with Father Zach Weber. It is Divine Mercy Sunday. Well, praise the Lord, Jesus is risen. He is risen indeed, and it's an honor to have you with me today, and hopefully you can use this to prepare yourselves for Mass on Sunday, and I just want to say my heart goes out to all of you who, who, who love the Lord and who love the Eucharist and who are unable to receive Him. Um, but nonetheless, we're called to remain faithful in times of difficulty, and we can still do the spiritual communion prayer, so if you haven't like downloaded that, I encourage you to do that. But this is a, a great gospel, and we're going to go in John chapter 20, verses 19 to 31. So go get your Bibles out, call upon the Holy Spirit, and let's make sure that when we attend Mass digitally, which most of us have to do unless you're a priest or something, uh, make sure that you come prepared, and maybe make an altar at home, make a place of prayer, and find something you can do to honor the Lord. Uh, put up some holy pictures, a crucifix, a rosary, that kind of stuff. So our gospel, again, comes from John chapter 20, verses 19 through 31, which begins with, on the, first, on the evening of that first day of the week, when the doors were locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Whose sins you forgive are forgiven, forgiven them, and whose sins you retain are retained. Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples said to him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and put my finger into the nail marks, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Now, a week later, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas was with them. Jesus came, although the doors were locked, and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put your hand and put it into my side, and do not be unbelieving, but believe. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you come to believe because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book. But these are written that you may come to believe that Jesus Christ, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that through this belief you may have life in his name. All right, well, a powerful gospel, and we'll try to open it up a little bit here for you. And, you know, when we always hear about the Lord coming, you know, he came to them in the night. And whenever we read scripture, we should know that night is always a sign of fear or like nothing good happening. Um, but nonetheless, the Lord comes in the evening but because that's when they would be most afraid. And he knows that. And you have to ask yourself, well, how could, how could a body enter through shut doors? But remember, when reason fails, our faith is edified. You know, he could enter without open doors because he was born without a violation of the, of the Holy Mother's virginity in her womb, right? So remember, he is God and he can do miracles. And he says to his disciples when he walks in the upper room, it's a, he says to them, 
peace be with you, or some translations say, be not disturbed. You know, we find ourselves kind of disturbed during this, this pandemic, and I think these re- readings are just absolutely perfectly timed for us. God and his providence knows that. And he says, he's basically saying to you, he's like, my peace I give to you, and again, in me you shall have peace. And we have to really come to know that the Lord comes, not to disturb us, but to give us peace. And he wants to heal our doubting hearts. And he wants to give us the the knowledge of knowing that we can be forgiven. We hear about him breathing upon the apostles and giving them the Holy Spirit. And he says very clearly, those whose sins you forgive are forgiven. Those whose sins you attain are attained. And he gave them authority to forgive sins, which is where we get the sacrament of confession. But it's a new breath, and he breathes on them, and it's a resurrected breath. It's a, it's a new breath, similar to the breath that we hear about in the Old Testament, you know, in Genesis, the first breath of Adam. You know, being breathed into him. So they receive the Holy Spirit, and then they're given authority. And they go tell the one who wasn't there, Thomas, who was not there. And I think the Lord specifically comes for people like Thomas. And maybe that's who you are, you know, because the divine mercy ordained that a doubting disciple should, by feeling in his master the wounds of his flesh and heal the wounds of unbelief. And there's just so many people who just, who just don't believe. And then, I mean, think deeply. You have to consider the mercy of the Lord and how for the sake of one soul, he exhibits his wounds. He came back for that one doubter. And Thomas takes time to examine him. And I think we need to take time to examine him. And, and in Christ, you know, he's so patient. And he allows Thomas to do that on the eighth day, which is where we celebrate Divine Mercy Sunday. But again, he walks through those shut doors. He stands in their midst and he says the same words, peace be with you, or do not be disturbed. And our Lord, you know, he's, he's, he's so good to us. He gave us his flesh to be touched. He gave us his flesh to be touched. And, you know, sometimes we think, I'm dirty or something's wrong with me. I could never do that. But he knows and he wants you to be convinced. And when Thomas says, my Lord and my God, he's actually acknowledging the hypostatic union, which means God is fully man and fully divine. So he asserts the twofold nature, you know, the person of Christ and God, his humanity and divinity. My God, the divine, and my Lord, the human. But notice how our God goes past that. Because he says, because you have seen me, you have believed. But he didn't say because you touched me, but because you have seen me. You know, sight's, you know, it's being kind of a general sense. Um, and it's put, put off in the place of the other four senses. So we, as we say, we hear how well it sounds and the smell of how good things smell, the sweetness, you know, touch how warm or cold something is. But our Lord, you know, says, reach with your finger and put it into my hands and take your hand and 
put it into my side. And what is this but touch and see, you know? And yet he had not eyes in his finger, which is obvious. But through that, he, he has belief. And later, the apostle John will say in the epistle, he'll say, you know, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You know, it's pretty plain that things are, which are seen are objects of faith, but, but of, not of faith, but of knowledge. So why is it, said the Thomas, who saw and touched, because you have seen me, you have believed the thing is, he saw one thing and believed another. He saw the man, but he confessed God. But what, what follows in very gla- very gladdening sense, you know, the Lord says, Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed, in which the sentence is especially included, who have not seen him with the eye, but retain him in mind, provided we only develop our faith in good works. For he only really believes who practices what he believes, right? So do you believe? Do your actions prove your belief? And that would ultimately say we need the Holy Spirit to go love our neighbor, you know, to, to live the commandment, to love our God with all our heart, mind, body, and soul, all of our strength, and then to love our neighbor as ourself. And sometimes we doubt and the Lord comes, and he wants to heal our doubting hearts. Maybe a prayer you can say, and I did this when I did the Exodus 90 last, but it was to pray. I said, Lord, remove every single doubt from my heart. Remove every single doubt from my heart. And then I found myself on retreat in November of last November, and I remember just praying on my knees in front of the Blessed Sacrament. And I just said, Lord, break in me everything is not, that is not of you. I give you permission to break all the doubt in my heart. And little by little, he's been doing that and revealing to me that we have to have a deeper spiritual sense of him. We have to live in the Spirit. Live in the Spirit. Are you living in the Spirit? Or are you allowing all this physica- physicality making you doubt? And I also encourage you, uh, as you read the scriptures and do Lexio Divina, the scriptures, to take time to meditate upon his wounds. Because he wants to, he wants you to encounter his love in his wounds. But then, the question is, what about your wounds of doubt? What about your wounds of shame? Your wounds of whatever, you know, the brokenness from your childhood that you're not dealing with? And let him resurrect those wounds. Because the more we spend time in his wounds, we find healing. And then we go into our wounds. The reason why the devil doesn't want us to go into the, our wounds of pain and hurt is because the devil knows we can encounter Jesus there. The devil knows that we can encounter Jesus in our woundedness and he can redeem those wounds and give us resurrected wounds. So know of my prayers for you as you go forward this season of Easter where we celebrate for 50 days. And right now we're in the octave of Easter, which ends on Divine Mercy Sunday. And know that the Lord came to the upper room for doubters, just like you and me. He came back because he loves you. He wants to transform you so you can transform others. Know of my prayers for you, and may Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
Amen. And enjoy the song, Nothing is Impossible by Joe Zambone.
Mm-hmm. 